Welcome to Passion Life Church. Anybody thankful for God's amazing grace in their life? Come on, let's give it up for God's amazing grace. And he gives it to us so, so freely. I, you know, for, before we get into anything else, you know, on this great Memorial Day weekend, I, I just want to take a moment and just be thankful for those who have given their lives for our freedom. And many of you may have even friends or family right now that are serving. Uh, and many of you have, may have friends who or loved ones who have passed on because of their service. And I just think it's appropriate today that we just honor them on this great Memorial Day weekend. And we're just thankful for them. And Lord, we're, thank you. we're thankful for such a great country, Lord, that you allowed us to live in. And Lord, we pray for the families, Father, of those who have lost loved ones and friends. We pray that you strengthen them. And we honor their lives today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today we conclude this great series on grace. And I just want to encourage you, if you've missed a couple Sundays, to go to the, the passionlifechurch.com, our website. And we've done six weeks on grace. And actually, we could spend a lot more time on it because just it's, there's, it's so vast. It's amazing. But at the same time, uh, I want you to just to understand what grace is. And today we finish here in part six. And today I want to talk about grace, strength in weakness. We've defined grace as the biblical definition is grace is God's unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor in our lives. And you know what? God gives it to us freely. You can't buy grace. You can't earn it. Well, Pastor Phil, how do I get it? You know how you get it? By receiving it by faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 tells us actually how we're saved. It says, for by grace you have been saved through what? What is that word? Through faith and not of yourself. So we can't boast about, oh yeah, you know, I'm so good and I, I kept, no, 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 no. He says you can't boast. It is a gift. I like to say it this way. Grace is not a reward because you earn rewards. How many of you know now every like credit card or every time you buy something, they want you to sign up for the rewards program, right? Because every time you buy, they want to give you a reward. Well, here's the thing about grace. You can't buy it. You just have to receive it. It's a gift that God gives. And look, he says in verse nine, it's not of works, least anyone should boast. The only thing we can really boast in is that God's grace has been good to us and he receives us but that's how we're saved and and so you know as a pastor I hear a lot of people talking and you may hear it too and people talk about the state of the world and it just seems like people are running rampant Pastor Phil and sins running wild and you know I don't know about the state of the world well I have some good news for you and I think this is going to help us even define today's message Romans chapter 5 verse 20 says this it says moreover the law entered that the the offense might abound. So how did we know about the offense? Because the law was given. So that told us, but it says this, where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. So as we look at the world and it just seems like sin is running rampant, I have good news for you. The Bible says that grace is greater and much more, the Bible says, will abound more than sin. Anybody happy about that? But hey, listen, good, like four of you, I'm happy. I'll hang out with you four. But sometimes when we look at that scripture, if you guys would put it up again, we can look at the world and say this about the world. 
But I want to make it personal for you today because the Bible even says that where sin abounds, grace much more. Not just much, but much more. And you may be here today and this may be your first time maybe coming back to the church and you got stuff going on and you feel like, man, you've messed up. Can I just tell you, grace abounds much more. And so Paul is telling us as he writes that grace is greater. So we should be encouraged. And so today I want to talk about their strength for our weaknesses. If you have your Bible today, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6. If you have your Bible or app or turn there and let me give you a little bit of history of what we're going to talk about, about what's happening today. And, and uh, we're going to look at what, what, what's going on in Paul's life. Paul is an amazing man. He wrote over two thirds of the New Testament. Paul actually had uh, uh, persecuted Christians. He was definitely uh, responsible for Stephen's death. Stephen was the first martyr of the church. Paul gave the go-ahead and he persecuted Christians until he had an encounter with God. Until he had an encounter with Jesus, he fell off his high horse, right? And for three days couldn't see and God totally changed his life. And I love this because God took Paul who was a sinner and had him write to us about grace. And so Paul is preaching Jesus, but he's preaching grace. But can you imagine this? Paul's now going back to the same people that he persecuted and he's like, yeah, 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 this Jesus thing, that it, like, I, I'm, I love him. And they're like, whoa, dude, don't kill us, man. Don't, no, no, he's like, man, I, I've really changed. Like, my life, has, I can only imagine what that would be like. And so Paul is preaching grace to people, but then he comes up to some opposition, and he's going to talk about his weaknesses. And let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6. Have you found it? It says this, for though I might desire to boast, this is Paul talking, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me, and least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. Let's pause here for a moment. What is Paul talking about? Paul went to heaven. Paul went to the third heaven, he says, if you read a little bit before that. Now, what does that mean, the third heaven? The third heaven, there's three heavens. Heaven number one is the clouds that we see, you know, where all the Huggies babies from the Huggies commercial are at, sitting on the clouds, right? Some people actually think that when they die, that that is heaven. You're going to be sitting on a cloud, right, practically naked with maybe like a little toga and a harp, right? And you're going to be sitting next to one of those Huggies diaper babies, and that's going to be heaven. Well, that's not going to be heaven. That's the first heaven. Then here's the second heaven is space, right? That's where Luke Skywalker lives, right? And Kylo Ren are fighting it out up there. That's the second space. That's space. But then there is somebody like, who's Kylo Ren? Okay, how about we say this? Space, the final frontier for all the Trekkies. <laughs> Live long and prosper. Thank you. You have the Star Trekkies and the Star Wars, and sometimes they don't like each other. And they become very, very temperamental if you lean to one side, right? So uh, that's that space where Paul, that's, that's the second heaven. But then there's the third heaven where God lives, where you and I will spend eternity with God. It, I just, to me, again, every time I say that, I think about how good God is because he like actually wants to spend eternity with us. Like, I, I know people don't want to spend an hour with me. 
But God like wants to spend like eternity with us, with you and I. And he actually sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to forgive us of our sins because he didn't want to spend eternity without us. I mean, that's just, I, I, it boggles my mind. And so I want to spend eternity with God in heaven because the other place, I think people think that hell is going to be like this Metallica concert, something, and it's going to be opposite of what heaven is. But can I just tell you, the Bible says that hell is a place in utter darkness where you can't even see your hand in front of you. And it is for eternity. And if you think eternity is a long time, it's longer than what you think it is. It is forever. And I want to be in the third heaven with God. And you know what? There's going to be some great things about heaven, streets of gold. But here's what I love the most. You, for eternity, are going to be in the presence of the living God for eternity. You know what I think the worst thing about hell is? That there will be no presence of God. And for some of us, seeing people in the world, they don't know a, 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 a life without God because even though they may not believe in God, you are the salt of the earth and you're in their life. And because you're in their life, they're having a sense of the presence of God. But when people go to hell, there's not going to be any presence of God. I can't imagine. So give your life to Jesus and spend eternity with him. But Paul went up to the third heaven. So he's talking about, I'm coming back to earth. I don't want to boast about this. And these are the revelations that he's talking about. And let's continue reading. It says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet. Buffet in the original text means to strike me. Now I want to kind of deal with this. And then we're going to talk about strength in our weakness because a lot of people don't understand what, what Paul is talking about here with a thorn in the flesh but the Bible's very specific this thorn in the flesh the Bible says a messenger of who of Satan or a church lady would say Satan right and so it was not God it was a messenger of Satan. Now, I've heard this preach. Well, you know, the messenger of Satan came, it says there, to buffet him, like to make him better. Actually, the translation is there that the messenger of Satan came to strike at Paul. And so it says, he came to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Verse 8, considering these things, I pleaded with the Lord three times. So how many times did he plead with the Lord? Three times that it might depart from me. Verse nine, and when he said, now Jesus, God is talking back to Paul and he says this, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I rather boast in infirmities. That's translated weaknesses. I would rather boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest on me. Let's talk, let's define a little bit about what Paul's talking about because a lot of people don't understand this thorn in the flesh. What is a thorn in the flesh? Now, Paul is being very vulnerable and I love this and I don't know if I could do this. It's one thing when you talk about your weakness to somebody, but it's another whole level when you write your weaknesses down and it's recorded in the Bible for millions of people to read. I don't know if I could do that. I'm going to be honest with you. But I love Paul's courage and I love that he's vulnerable and he's actually talking about having some weakness. And this actually, for me, gives me some hope because if Paul had some weakness, 
I have. Anybody else have some weaknesses? And so Paul goes up to the third heaven. He comes back and he realizes, he says, I have this thorn in the flesh. Now, some people believe that Paul had a disease. All right. Paul, some people uh, believe that Paul had pus coming out of his eyes. All right. I do not hold to this particular belief and I'll tell you why. The Bible says that God used Paul to do extraordinary miracles. Didn't he say just miracles? He did extraordinary miracles to the point that when Paul had his Kleenex and the Bible says his handkerchief, when people touched his handkerchief, they became healed. And when a person that was demon possessed touched Paul's handkerchief, they actually got free. So this is why I do not subscribe to this about Paul having pus because the whole idea of your handkerchief is to dry your snot and pus off of your face. And I doubt it that he was giving a pus filled hanky to people. I don't think. And why, if he had so much life and so much healing flowing through his veins, why would it be that it was pus? I don't subscribe to that. So what we do here at Passion Life Church is we let the Bible interpret the Bible. There are languages and words in the Bible that are used consistently. So what is Paul talking about with a thorn in the flesh? And this is important. It's important because then we can kind of define this. So let's let the Bible tell us what a thorn is. In Numbers chapter 33, verse 55, God spoke to Moses and he said this, I want you to get in the promised land that we've given you and I want you to take out all of the inhabitants. And look what he says, if they don't, verse 55. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be to those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes, and look at that, and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. And God said, look, I want you to take out these giants. I don't want you to, and I don't want you to hang out with them, be friends with them, because if you do, they will become a thorn in your side. Well, that helps us to understand one thing. A thorn in the flesh is actually a people group, right? He said, don't let these people live. Take them out. Don't cohabit with them. And so now we understand that a thorn in the flesh was a people group. So the Bible says that a messenger of Satan was coming to these people who they were the Judaizers. Paul was coming and he's preaching grace and he's preaching grace. And the Jews Judaizers were being stirred up by a demonic force to come back to people and say, no, it's not grace. Listen, you have to add more to God's grace. You have to, and trying to get them to come back under the law. And Paul said this, it was like a thorn in the flesh to me. In other words, that's a Hebrewism. And this is what it means. We use it today. Have you ever said that person is a pain in the neck? Now, did you actually have a pain in your neck? No, but it's a we say that, oh, it, oh, these people, oh, God, at work, oh, there's such a pain in the neck. That's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying that I'm doing all this work and I'm preaching grace and these people are undoing the work that I have done. Have you ever been there? Ever been there as a parent where you feel like you clean the kitchen and you're done? And here comes your little blessing? 
and spills all over the kitchen and the frustration, right? And you have to remind God that your kids are a blessing and not a curse. Come on, somebody. But can you imagine that? Can you imagine Paul was laboring and people were giving their lives to the Lord and then the Judaizers were coming back and saying, no, you have to get back under the law. And Paul was frustrated. He was frustrated and he felt like, man, they're undoing the work that I'm doing. And Paul starts to admit his weakness. And I want to just give you four things that we can find out in our weakness and we can do in our weakness that may help us by looking at Paul's life. Let's learn from Paul. What does he do in his frustration and his weakness? And here's number one, he prays. Paul prays. Now, that may just sound so simple, but what's important is that we don't let our weaknesses stop us from praying. Many people at times in their lives feel guilty. They feel condemned, so they don't pray to God. And we talked about in our series how when you come to Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation if you are in Christ. And so we need to pray. You know why? Because Paul is going to get a specific answer from God for this situation. And I believe that that can happen for us. God has a specific answer for our prayer uh, that he wants to reveal. Now, this is what we do. We read this and we're like, oh, we know Paul prayed three times. This is what God said. Yeah, we know that because we can look at it. Paul didn't know that until he prayed. And I believe that there are situations that we have going on in our life and God wants to give you a specific answer. And the Bible says, That Paul prayed three times for it to go away. Lord, would these people go away? Lord, just, have you ever, have you ever had that prayer? You don't have to raise your hand, but Lord, can you please help me out with those people? Right? Can you just send a little lightning bolt? Lord, can you, they are frustrating me. They are frustrating me. And so, I think it's important that we pray. You know, I've, in probably 25 years of pastoring people, I've prayed a lot for people. And I've prayed for healing for a lot of people. And what I've noticed is that whenever I pray, I always pray the scripture, but I always listen to what God may want to say on the inside. Because I've prayed for people, and then I will ask them, hey, you know what I've noticed? The Lord is asking me, have you forgiven this person? And you know what's interesting is I've prayed for people that say, you know what, I haven't. And they forgive. And then the, it's like the, the flood of blessing comes into their life. But they're holding up the blessing because they won't forgive. And yet they're praying for God to heal them and heal them and heal them. And God's like, look, I've already poured out my healing. But, right? The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55 that by his, Jesus' stripes 2,000 years ago, we've been healed. But because you won't forgive and you won't let go, and we know now even through science that people People are more prone to arthritis, right? And cancer because of bitterness, they won't let it go. But I've been praying for people and I'll say, you know what? I just kind of sense that there's some unforgiveness here. Yeah, there is. And you know what? Some people will do it. And the sad part about it is some people won't forgive and they just hold on to their offense. And it's sad to me as a pastor because a person would rather hold on to an offense and be bitter than receive the healing that God has for them. But that's why it's important that we pray in the situation. And Paul prays three times. He's frustrated and he actually comes to a place where he feels weak. 
he feels drained. And look at God's response in verse nine. He says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Here's a good rule of thumb. When you cannot remove something in your own strength, you need the grace of God. See, Paul was praying and it seemed like nothing was happening. Have you ever been there? It just seemed like God wouldn't take out those people at work that you didn't like. They're still showing up. And you know what? So Paul could not remove all of the Judaizers by himself. And here's what he does. He finds out that, hey, I can't do this in my own effort. But here's what God does. God doesn't remove all the Judaizers. He reminds Paul of the grace that he already has on the inside of him. In other words, you need to change your perspective, Paul, and stop focusing on the thorn and focus on the grace that's on the inside of you. And you know what I love about God? He just didn't leave Paul to his weakness. He didn't just look at Paul and say, too bad, so sad, Paul. Life sucks, right? God didn't say that. You know what he did? He responded to Paul and said, look, I know it looks like things aren't changing, but my grace is sufficient for you. I think when we look at that word sufficient, we think it's not a really deep word, sufficient. I just have enough for me. It's, it doesn't really, it's like, wow, I just want, you know, we want increase. We want, but you know, the word sufficient in the Greek means this, to be possessed of sufficient strength. In other words, God was saying, Paul, you have the strength on the inside of you to deal with this situation. The strength is already inside of you. And I think it's funny because we can do that. Even we go to work and there may be some people and we're more focused on how we don't like them. We're more focused on avoiding them and making sure that we don't talk with them. And what happens is our perspective and our focus becomes on all of the things that are not happening or the things that we don't like. And God shifts Paul's perspective and he says, hey, Paul, I can't just eradicate humanity and all those people that don't like you preaching grace. I can't do that for you, Paul. But what I can do is I can remind you that there's strength in you. And that strength was given to you by my grace. How many of you know God is not going to remove all the negative people from the world? Now, sometimes he does. I've prayed with people and they have really horrible neighbors. And I'm like, just pray him out, man. What do you mean pray him out? Pray that God will promote them and give them another job, maybe somewhere in LA or so. I mean, just, and sometimes they do, but sometimes he doesn't. And you know what? When he doesn't, just know you have the strength to be able to overcome in this situation. God doesn't remove all the temptation in the world. How many of you know that? Now, good wisdom would be if you can remove yourself Remove yourself from it, right? Oh, Pastor Phil, I'm so tempted all the time. Well, maybe you got to stop going to Hooters with the boys. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Hooters or owls? You know what I mean. That's their logo. Yeah, I just can't. So what is God supposed to do? Eradicate all those so you can overcome temptation, know what he's going to do. He says you're in the world, but you're not of the world. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, you can overcome the world. Come on, somebody. Blaming Hooters. 
They do have good wings, though. That's what somebody told me. I've never been there. That's, that's what somebody told me. But God will give you the grace that's sufficient strength to overcome it. And what Paul was saying, look, I was so focused on the thorn, God had to remind me about his grace. So in our weakness, don't focus on the weakness. Focus on the grace that God has given you. And I think we need to understand something. Look at how God responded to Paul. See, when you have a a weakness, I think what happens is we think God is waiting up there with a Louisville slugger bat. And just as soon as you admit your weakness. Do you know that God didn't get mad at Paul because he admitted his weakness? Do you know that God didn't condemn Paul because he admitted his weakness? As a matter of fact, in Paul's weakness, how did God respond? He responded. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. And can I just tell you this morning, Passion Life Church, in your weakness, grace is greater. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And you know what? In your weakness, God wants to give us grace. So Paul says, God responded in grace in my weakness. And if we could be honest, we all have weaknesses. Notice I didn't get any men's on that. Right? We all have weaknesses. And you know what? And our weaknesses could be multifaceted. For some of us, it could be a, a, a physical thing. It could be intellectual, emotional weakness. But here comes the question. What do you do with your weaknesses? What do you do with your weaknesses? See, because most people will deny. Most people will defend. Or they just excuse their weaknesses. But here's what Paul would say about acknowledging our weaknesses. Number two, we're only or we're able to receive God's grace only to the extent we're able to recognize our need for it. So when we acknowledge our weaknesses or when you acknowledge your weaknesses, you're acknowledging that you need God's grace and it's not just your self-effort. See, that's why the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. In other words, I have to confess that I'm a sinner because when I confess I'm a sinner, then I'm also confessing I need a savior. Come on, somebody. And listen, I, I can't save myself when I say I'm a sinner, but I'm acknowledging, God, I need you as a savior. That's why some people can't see him as a savior because they think that they're too good. They think in their self-righteousness, so they don't need Jesus. That's why Jesus had such a hard time with the Pharisees. They wouldn't draw anything from him because they basically didn't think they needed him because they could keep the law by themselves, which they couldn't. And Jesus looked at them and he says, you know, inside you are like a whitewashed tomb. But see, when we acknowledge our weaknesses, here's what we're saying. God, I need your grace. I need your grace. And I don't know about you, but I still need his grace because I'm all about that grace, about that grace. All about that grace. I wrote that song. She stole it from me. That was the original intent. So when we acknowledge our weakness, here's what happens. You're inviting God's presence and his power into your life. 
When you say I'm weak, when you acknowledge his grace, you get everything that that grace brings, the power, the power that comes with it. Verse, number, uh, verse nine, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you, my strength. Everybody say strength. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, I don't know about when you think about strength, what you think about. I, you know, for me growing up, I loved Hulk, Lou Ferrigno. And, you know, this guy, when he got really angry, turned into this epitome of strength, you know. But I think sometimes when we think about God's strength, that he gives us just a dose of strength. But this strength that he's talking about, when God says my strength, it's actually God's very own strength. It's strength. And I looked that up in the Greek and it means this. Dunamis, it's a dynamite power that resides on the inside of you. And it means this, strength, power, ability. And this, power to perform miracles. So there is a power, God's strength is in you right now. And that strength is meant to help you overcome in the weak times. So we're, um, when we acknowledge God's weakness, or when we acknowledge our weakness, excuse me, what we're saying, God, here's an opportunity for me to see your power. I want to see your power in my life. But the opposite is true. When you deny your weaknesses, have you ever hung out with people like they're not in touch with their weaknesses, but everybody at the table is in touch with their weaknesses? And I'm not trying to be judgmental or anything, but I'm just saying, like, you go, and they are like, and, and this is the biggest excuse that will stop you from experiencing God's power. Pastor Phil, this is just the way that I am. Can we tell the truth today? What you need to say is this is the way I choose to be. If you want to stop God's power in your life, Say those words, because basically what you're saying is this is who I am and I can't change. Not really I can't change, I won't change. And basically, you know what that is? That is all self-effort and it's all about you. And you know what I found out about being a Christian is that God wants me to change and go from glory to glory and go higher and higher. But for that, I have to admit that I'm not quite where I need to be. Oh, I'm not where I used to be. But you know what? I'm not where I used to be. And for that, I'm thankful. And those people, well, it's just the way I am. I'm like, okay, now you've become a thorn in my side. But a person who can't admit weakness is actually weaker than they know. Because to admit your weakness, God, he can't heal what I hide. Let me say that again. When I hide things from God, he can't heal those things. Faith is not denial. Faith actually acknowledges the fact and say, this is what's going on. And God, I need your power right here and right now. So it's not a sign of strength not to admit your weaknesses. True strength is a being able to admit our weakness. 
to be able to admit that. And I love what Paul's doing because he's just being vulnerable. Paul's confessing to us. And I love it because he's just saying, look, I am weak. So our ability to appreciate grace in, in, in direct, is in direct correlation to the degree in which we acknowledge our need for it. Here's number three. Your weakness is God's greatest platform. You know, verse nine says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, which means weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So when I acknowledge God's, my weakness, when I acknowledge my weakness, grace flows. And out of that grace, it draws me closer to Jesus. Grace will always draw you closer to Jesus. That's the purpose of it. It'll draw you closer to him. And Paul's saying, look, I'm weak, God. I need you. Now, let me just say this because it needs to be said because when you teach on grace and you teach on this and you hear the point, your weaknesses are God's platform. I'm not saying that God loves it when you make bad choices. I'm not saying God is like, woo, I get glory. Come on, make some bad choices. That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is that grace is much greater than your weaknesses. And when you really understand grace, Titus chapter 2 verse 12 says, us, says that grace, what it does is it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. But you know what? Some of us have made mistakes. Some of us get weak in strength. I remember... I was a youth pastor at the same church for almost 11 years. And in that, uh, you know, it's the call that you, you get that you don't ever want to get. But it's probably about 3 o'clock in the morning. One of our kids in the youth ministry had been, uh, had been killed in a car accident. And it just set off four days of just complete chaos in the youth ministry. And we had a youth ministry of about 750 kids that came. We did four youth services a week. We did a Wednesday night and three Sunday uh, services with all teenagers. Teenagers were coming to church. It was awesome. But if you can imagine the type of care, because this was a popular kid in the youth. And I, I just remember through those four days, those days I had to counsel in one day, probably about 30 kids and just one kid after the other. And I was counseling them and grieving myself at the same time because I knew this kid and I know what it's like to feel weak. And I'm not talking about, oh, I'm tired. I'm not talking about tired. I'm talking about weakness where you just feel like, you, have you ever had that? It's almost like kind of like when you're sick, your body starts, I mean, it's just a weakness that you can't seem. And I remember counseling those kids and then having to do three services where all of the three services, kids were mourning and crying. And then they asked me to do the funeral on Monday, which is probably about 1,200 people. Many people gave their lives uh, to God through that funeral. But then I had to go to the school and the school wanted me to come. And there was about 1,000 students. And they said that the local, all of the local um news outlets would be there. So I was speaking to a thousand kids in front of the news media at a school, telling them about this kid, but also telling them about Jesus all within a four day period. I was so weak, but you know what? I never focused on my weakness. I always focused on God's strength because I sensed weakness. But see, when I turned and said, God, I can't do this unless you help me. I can't do it without your strength. You know what I have found out when I showed up to the school? 
soul, it wasn't just Phil talking. It was God's strength speaking through me and people were touched. And this is what God wants from us. He wants to glory in our weakness because at the end of the day, it's all about him and it's not about me. I'm just a responder to this great grace. And many kids gave their lives to Jesus because of this one kid and this unfortunate tragedy. But I can tell you in those four days, I had never felt that exhausted and tired, but I never felt as strong. It's a dichotomy of the weak and the strong. And so your weaknesses is God's greatest platform. So here's the question. The question is, so will you let your past mistakes destroy your life or will you let them become a trophy of God's grace, of God's grace. And if we realize our need for God's grace and submit ourselves to him, that grace will transform our lives. Are you happy that you came to church this morning? Here's the last one. Here's the last one. And I just wanted to, as I say this and as we close up today, I wanted to leave a little bit of time at the end for you to come with our prayer partners and maybe you need to let us pray for you today. I think a lot of us have more hidden weaknesses than we're willing to admit. And if I could just give you some pastoral advice, be careful who you share your weaknesses with. Sometimes we put it on Facebook. I'm amazed at the things people put on Facebook. It sounds like a prayer, but you're letting everybody know your weakness. That's not what Paul's talking. We, t- we tell people, can I just say, I never tell a person a weakness that can't do something to help me in my weakness. So there's people, I talk to God and I talk to pastors and it's important that we share, but I just felt to say that you need to share with the right people. Is that some good wisdom today? And so with God's grace, here's number four. Weakness is no longer an excuse not to do what God is calling you to do. Verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities or weaknesses, in reproaches and needs and persecution. Paul was really persecuted in distresses for Christ's sake. And here he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, here's my perspective on weakness. My weakness is an opportunity to see God's power in my life. Come on, somebody. So when I'm weak, he is, come on, you can give him a good round of applause. So when I'm weak, he is strong because God's strength is working in my weak areas. So the reason I can boast in my weakness is because I'm not really boasting about weakness. I'm really boasting about the power of God in my life. That's what I'm boasting about. So regarding my weakness, I didn't just do it in my self-effort because let's just be honest. How many of us in this room have tried to change things in our own and we couldn't? That was the reason I gave my life to Christ. I was so frustrated that I could not change myself. And you know what I need? You know what you need? We need the grace of God. It's funny because during salvation, we're like, I can't change myself, God. Oh, I can't change myself. I need your grace. Then there's a Christian like, we're all that. And then we're, we get stuck and we forget that the same grace that saved us when we were weak 
is the same grace that helps us in our weaknesses. And the grace that God gave you to save you is also to be used in your weaknesses. And I'm telling you today, God's grace is greater than your greatest weakness. Let me say it again. God's grace is greater than your greatest weakness. That's why Paul got up and he's the one that said, I finished my race. Notice his weakness didn't stop him from finishing the destiny and the purpose that God had for him. And some of you need to stop using your weakness as an excuse because that weakness, God wants to show his power so that can be a platform for his strength and his power for him to use you. Let's give him a great round of applause. Would you stand this morning with us? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.